Time now for Ask the Pharmacist with our resident pharmacist, Elizabeth Roddick, joining us from New Life Pharmacy. Hello. Hello, Simon. And uh, we are going to look behind uh, the headlines of some of the stories that you may have uh, seen in the press or heard in uh, the news lately. And uh, we'll kick off, Elizabeth, first of all, with uh, it's, it's, been, it's been all over the news um, this last couple of weeks. Food and drinks should carry labels showing how long it would take to walk or run off the calories. Uh, so a leading health expert suggests. Now, we've spoken about this before, haven't we? Yeah, we talked about a small American study. It was a, a group over there, and, and they placed notices on the fridge door of the soft drinks cabinet. And, and I think it did make a difference in that research, but it was a very small study. This research has come from the fact the traffic light system, now that's where labelling on food is green for good, amber okay, and red is for bad. That's not really worked. And, and our eating habits probably, because as one poll has suggested, it's too confusing. We seemingly need to get the information in six seconds. And of course, if you're visually impaired or it makes it longer to, to figure out the message. There is a website I've found, Simon. I can read it out uh, for you, the, the address. It's eatwell.gov.uk forward slash traffic lights. And that tells you what foods have these traffic lights on and whether it's good, bad or indifferent for you. All of the messages seem to be negative, though. So, so actually giving us a positive message about burning off calories, that might go better. I don't know. So, well, give us some examples then of uh, calorie numbers and exercise. Then. Yeah, a bowl of cornflakes, for example, semi-skimmed milk. That means you have to do um, an hour's work of brisk walking. Uh, Coca-Cola which, of course, none of us ever drinks, 20 minutes of running, an apple. We were talking about apples there, uh, Simon, before we started. A bit more healthy. Uh, it takes 20 minutes of brisk walking or 30 minutes of running. Right. So I, I, I suppose if if you get into your head these kind of things, it gives you a percentage. Is the new labelling system going to be brought in? There could be a long delay obviously going through the European Union, obviously if we're still in it, but if the food and drink industry thought it was a good idea, then they could bring it in themselves. It might even increase sales if it was used as a gimmick and people took to it. Yeah, for example, yes, I'm going out to jog because I've eaten that piece of chocolate. It might be a bit of fun and maybe people might take it more seriously in, in terms of really looking at their health and saying, well, I should, should I be eating this number of calories? Don't know. And it's the type of calories as well, isn't it, that, that can make a difference? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Obviously, calories with fresh fruit and, and vegetables is quite different, as I say, from a, a big latte or, or a piece of chocolate cake. I'd like to know what you think. Uh, if you think that uh, labelling and being aware of, of how much effort it takes to burn off calories would help you in regulating your diet, then uh, do get in touch. You can contact us via the website, uh, radio, um, RIB. Connect Radio. Right, now moving on, Elizabeth, uh, back onto vitamin D. Now, this is one of your uh, favourite subjects. I know it is, you, it you, is. you're very kind of <laughs> passionate about this. Now, there's a story saying that vitamin D can produce amazing improvements in heart function. Yeah, so I mean, researchers were from Leeds and they were looking to see if taking vitamin D could help patients with heart failure. Now, that's the condition that causes difficulty in breathing, swollen ankles. You tend to feel very tired if you've got heart failure. It's because the chamber on the left side of the heart isn't pumping properly. So in this research, 233 people, many male, uh, mainly male, sorry, who, who were 
deficient in vitamin D, were given 100 micrograms of co-calciferol. And I'll explain that in a minute. It's, it's vitamin D3, and they were given that daily for one year. Half took a placebo, a sugar tablet. One of the measurements they took was the distance the men walked in six minutes. And when we talk to someone as pharmacists about their heart failure, we ask them about their normal activities, about dressing and how long they can walk, whether they're finding it more difficult to do certain tasks. And that's one of, of the things we, we, we know if, if their uh, heart failure is deteriorating, then they perhaps can't do as much as they used to. So in the study, there was funnily enough, no difference between the placebo and the vitamin D in terms of the distance the men walked, but they did find that the function of the heart improved. And as I said before, last Tuesday I was hosting an event at the Edinburgh Science Festival and, and it was pr primarily to do with vitamin D. But one of the speakers suggested that sunshine produced some, something like nitric oxide in the skin and that seems to have a beneficial effect in the heart. But from this study, I, I think it would be worthwhile taking vitamin D. The thing is, though, isn't it? I mean, I've been caught out with this, that there's a difference in the, the units. When you get these packs and it says uh, perhaps it's going to be micrograms or there's international units, how do you know what's the right amount to be taken? I think it's very confusing for everybody. There are 400 international units is equivalent to 10 micrograms. So the people in the study we're talking about, the heart study, they were taking 4,000 international units daily. Now, the government guidelines for the UK suggest 400 international units. And that's, in terms of an adult, I, I'm not sure if that's adequate. I know in our group of researchers, I'm part of that group, we suggest that's too low. It's fine for a baby. Now, I've got quite an interesting interview, uh, in fact, two interviews with experts in vitamin D on, on my other website, if I can maybe mention that, Simon. It's www.newlifehealthcare.co.uk. And it's uh, with Dr. Eva Kuchowska and also Dr. Helga Ryan, both of whom are experts in vitamin D. And maybe just gives you a little bit of background on what to take and what, why it's important to take vitamin D. And I know, Helga, we... We communicate by email and she sent me a very interesting study just last night and it was from the Canadian Research Society and they were showing that if women were over 100 nanomoles, and I'll explain that in a second, in their body in terms of vitamin D, they were 67% less likely to get cancer. Now, if I can explain that, I know in, in Britain we talk about maybe 25 being adequate or nowadays possibly 50 but if you're someone walk, working outside, outside in the sunshine in a warm country, then your natural vitamin D level will be 120. So I'm wondering why we aren't aiming for that in terms of government and why they are perhaps not suggesting to people more or less to take vitamin D. And I also think is you, you, you have some people who say, well, I eat healthily. But just because you eat healthily and eat all the vegetables doesn't mean that you are getting all your minerals and vitamins in, in your diet and your daily life, does it? I think vitamin D is one of those difficult ones. It's very difficult to get enough uh, from your food because it's mainly oily fish, for example. Uh, and I suppose the, ch the way we've changed our diets, we don't eat as much fish generally. And also where you live, the further north you are, the less light you're, you're able to make vitamin D. And we make it on our skin. So if it's cold and it's wet and we're wearing clothes all the time, not uh, exposing any of our skin, we're not going to be making vitamin D naturally. So that's why I think governments need to think about perhaps bringing that in as a supplement, just generally for people 
GPs able to prescribe it as well. And as I say, it's a subject that Elizabeth is very passionate about. And vitamin D deficiency community has been kind of linked with some major diseases over the years as well, isn't it? So it's, it's worth having a, a look at that and a listen to that. So we can listen to these interviews on your website. Yes, you can. Fantastic. Now let's move on to daily fresh fruit lowers heart death risk. Uh, as much as statins do. Now, that sounds quite controversial. Yes. <laughs> Researchers were from Oxford and, and they linked into a Chinese centre for disease control. They recruited half a million people looking at whether the amount of fruit they ate had an effect on heart disease. And, and the normal tests were done, blood pressure, BMI, that's looking at your height and weight, and glucose level, as well as social factors such as their education, income, diet. They followed up people who weren't taking any blood pressure tablets and who didn't have heart disease to see whether, first of all, they were still alive, and but also whether they had a stroke or heart attack. They also looked to see if, if any had had a bleed on the brain because that is seemingly more common in the Chinese culture. They found that people who ate fruit daily were 40% less likely to die of cardiovascular disease, heart disease, 34% less likely to have a heart attack. They also found that people who ate fresh fruit at the beginning of the study had lower blood pressure and glucose levels. And the problem is that the study didn't actually prove the benefits to heart were just from the fruit. That's where we have a real problem with research and some of the headlines are not terribly clear. I mean, there isn't, for example, any link to statins. They didn't suggest that one group were taking statins and one group weren't. So, so again, the headline is a bit misleading. So we know that the Western population studies that they found to, to lower the risk of heart attacks and strokes um, ter- certainly with statins. We know that from a lot of research. But as I say, the Chinese study does, did not prove that as being uh, a comparing with fruit. <laughs> so, yes, please eat fruit as part of a, of a balanced diet. But if you're taking a statin, still take statin because it hasn't been proved that that's going to be eating fruit is better than a statin. We don't know that. All right, Elizabeth, thank you for that. If you've got any questions or anything we've uh, chatted about, uh, at home, then don't hesitate to get in touch with me here at RIB Connect Radio, or of course you can get in touch with Elizabeth directly via her uh, website, which is all the W's dot newlifepharmacy.co.uk. It's been very interesting and educational as always, Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Simon.